In a world where a man loves movies and loves lists and keeps a list of his 100 favorite movies for over 30 years, what if he made his wife watch those movies in order? And what if he made her talk about it on a podcast? Would she like them? Would she hate them? Can this marriage possibly survive this podcast? Find out what will happen in a world called Craig's List. News on the march. Death, as it must come to all podcasts, came today to Craig's List. Once one of the great American podcasts releasing over 100 episodes over four years, ending now only four episodes before its long-awaited conclusion. At its peak, once producing episodes at the astounding rate of one a week. (laughs) The podcast had slowed to sporadic release, losing the faith of its once-devoted Craig's listeners as Craig Kikowski became more arrogant, spending more time building his castle in eastern Los Angeles. (laughs) Will anyone ever learn the true meaning of Carla's final quote? Whatever. (laughs) That was one of my favorites. That was very good. Um, I spent some time crafting that one. Uh, Hello, Craig's listeners. We're back. We're back. We're up to number four on the list. It's Uh, it's episode number 97. And, uh, we're sorry, you know, we, we, we hit a little, uh, roadblock after the, uh, the holidays, you know. Yeah. We were pretty good. We were putting out, we put out like four and four weeks. Yeah. I think you'll agree. Uh, but then like Carla got sick. Yep. Uh, I shot a commercial. We were yeah. like, we had, we were scheduled to record and I booked a commercial that's airing during the Super Bowl. Plug. Not, humble brag, not so humble. <laughs> And, uh, then our guest got sick. Like we literally scheduled this episode four times and had to reschedule it, but we are doing it today. We're here, yes. all three of us. And we've got one of our favorite guests of all time back. Woo-woo. You know her. You love her. You remember episodes such as Pinocchio, <laughs> Body Heat. <laughs> and here she is to complete the trifecta. Please welcome Jamie Moyer. Hello. Thank you guys for having <laughs> me back. I'm elated to be here. I just got something in my mind. Craig's listeners. <laughs> you did that on purpose. Did you catch that? That was yeah. really good. good. It's subtle, but, really but it's there. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's low hanging fruit. Uh, Carla, I actually had never thought of that before. Yeah, Are you I, I wouldn't call it low hanging fruit. I thought I, I thought I did a nice pickup on a brilliant yeah. wordplay. I yeah, I, I'm I'm with Jamie on this one. Craig's listeners, yeah. Listeners. Craigslist listeners. Yeah. I've never heard you say it like that, Craig. Craigslistners? Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I think he I think he's lying. <laughs> well, we'll have to go back and listen to ninety-six <laughs> episodes. Well, Carla, I saw a great movie this week. Uh and I think that they just don't make great movies like this anymore. It was it was uh what was it called? It uh Oh, it's uh it's at the tip of my tongue. The one we watched yesterday? Yes, yes. Citizen we watched Kane? It DVD. No, no, uh, that's not it. Uh It's uh it's got Orson Welles in it. Yeah, he that's plays Citizen a, Kane. He plays a newspaper tycoon. Yeah, 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 Citizen Kane. No. Yes. No. 
It's something like sis, sis, sis. Tis and cane? Sigh, sigh, sigh. Not sigh. Please walk into my knife. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you know where I'm going with this. Uh, Craig's listeners, we've got the greatest movie of all time, Citizen Kane. Beautiful. You're not going to tell them what that was? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to insult Craig's list. And nerds. <laughs> I didn't. I'd never seen that sketch before. Oh, you've never seen that sketch. Uh, Sorry. It's a great kids in a hole sketch. I mean, I'm sure it's a classic, but I'm not. I mean, it's probably 30 years old uh, or older. Yeah. You know. Had you seen that sketch before, Jamie? I actually can't recall. <laughs> so there you go. I so can't recall. Maybe. Maybe. I'm like, sure I've seen it, but that's the problem with my brain. Mine it's, too. It's filled with useless. Sketches. <laughs> Cotton balls and sketches. Well, Craig's listeners, if you're unfamiliar with the Kids in the Hall sketch, Kids in the Hall. I don't know why I'm having a hard time saying it. I'm saying Kids in a Hall. <laughs> <laughs> Pigs in a blanket. Kids in a Hall. It's like uh, Sex in the City, mm-hmm. uh, which is not what that show is called. That's right. Um, Google or go to YouTube and uh, go to YouTube and Google. <laughs> Google and Google Facebook. Sex in the City. Okay. <laughs> and then tweet. Uh, kids in the Hall, Citizen Kane, and it's a great sketch with Dave Foley it's and uh, Kevin McDonald. I enjoyed it. It's great from beginning to end. <laughs> now, when I say that Citizen Kane is the greatest movie of all time, uh, it's kind of the, the critic's pick. It's almost the stereotypical movie for film nerds, I think. The Sight and Sound, which is a British film magazine, has had a poll uh, every year of their history, uh, every 10 years. Every 10 years? <laughs> yes, every 10 years. Um, <laughs> and Citizen Kane has uh, always turned out number one in that poll. Until the last one, actually. The last one they did was 2012. Mm-hmm. Citizen Kane ended up number two on the filmmaker. Actually, number three on the filmmakers Number list. one, White Chicks. <laughs> <laughs> and a come behind victory. <laughs> and uh, number two on the critics list. Uh, on the critics list, it slipped below Hitchcock's Vertigo. Oh, really? And the filmmakers list, they had uh, Ozu's Tokyo Story, number oh. one. And uh, Vertigo, number two. Citizen Kane, number three. Mm. And the AFI has done their top 100 list a couple of times. And Citizen Kane was number one both times. Mm. So I think for a lot of people watching it in present day, particularly the later you come to it, it has kind of this reputation as the number one critics movie. But can it possibly live up to that rep? Jamie, had you seen this before? Great question. (laughs) I had not seen it before, though the lore of Citizen Kane swirled in my uh, reference bank. Mm Mm-hmm. Very different from my spank bank. <laughs> uh, and so, of course. You don't, you don't spank to a, I don't spank to 26 to, year no. old Orson Welles? No, I don't. No, I don't. But 45 year old Orson Welles. <laughs> no, I, so I, but I, I have never, I had never seen it. Wow. Really? I just knew a lot about it. And of course, I knew Rosebud was like a thing and, you know, had been used in many a improv show over the years. <laughs> By yeah. You? By you specifically. By me specifically or others. <laughs> Rose Bud. It feels like that might be the first like classic spoiler in movie history, right? Oh yeah. The, the shocking ending that now has been spoiled. So everyone knows that Rosebud is the sled. Yeah. Like, and it may have even no impact watching it because you go in kind of knowing that that's been spoiled many times before. I also kind of, mm, I love that it's the sled, by the way, because it doesn't, 
really matter, but it just kind of is like you already know he's upset about that day. Right. <laughs> but it's just kind of like the cherry on the top of like, oh, no, this is why he's a piece of shit. I wonder what Trump's day sled, rosebud sled is. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll get into Trump. <laughs> because I think it's almost impossible to watch this movie now without thinking of it. 100%. That I was thinking yeah. of right? Like when he's sure. running for president and stuff and you're like, wait, how did we, how, how did, did we, we get how here? How did we get the bad movie version of Citizen <laughs> Kane in real life? Yeah, yeah, he never gets elected office in right. the, in the movie. Uh, did you watch this with your parents? No, I watched it on my own. Okay. I, I will say, and, and dear listeners know that my dad is a sweetheart, but, but I did tell him I was watching it. And the first thing he said was, you know, Rosebud is the sled. <laughs> and I was like, why? Why did you do that? <laughs> why? <laughs> but you know, again, I had heard that, but when he said it, it sounded like something I knew, but if I had watched the movie, I don't think that necessarily it would have jarred my memory until that final moment. Right. So now, of course, I'm watching it and I'm like, it's a sled, it's a sled. But you know what was interesting? It didn't really spoil the movie for me that much because the movie I thought was great. And so knowing the ending, it, I don't think it had the impact that, say, like, uh, Six I see cents. Dead he's dead. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. don't think it had the. I don't. I don't think knowing what it was had the impact. Just because because of what Carla said, he, that was a a very bad day for him. Obviously, and a life changing day. Yeah. And it's it's not that kind of surprising Shyamalan right. ending anyway. That's right. It's the the real shocker is almost the the fact that they spend the whole movie trying to figure out what it is and then it's like hey throw this sled on the fire yeah <laughs> it's just getting burned up right oh. away with all the other ephemera from his and life and just how sentimental it is for him to say that that's shocking right yeah you don't expect him to have a heart or a soul no. anymore and i felt really actually really felt for him when he's tearing the room up yeah like that that kind of affected like i felt bad for him yeah there's no real like foreshadowing throughout the movie that he misses his mother or his childhood or anything oh no. that's kind of the the heart-rending aspect of the twist i think mm -hmm. that you're like oh he did have a heart all along you know and it, it was kind of buried his his innocence had been taken away from him early uh, Carla, you had seen this before i've seen it a couple times i think i saw it in college and then i saw it Maybe eight years ago. It was You took a film class. Yeah, I took a film class. I wa we had to watch it, of course. Um, yeah, I've seen it. I know it. Been there. Watch that. So you you were kind of in and out during this viewing. I yeah. did. I will say I fell asleep. Not because I was times. bored. <laughs> but it's just been a long week. <laughs> sure. When it has those dulcet tones of, of of narration and even the screen, it's like, Nice shadows and stuff yep. where, you know, there's not a lot of bells and whistles and perhaps you're like, they're like, and then he went over the thumb. Like, mm. <laughs> la, 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 la. Night. <laughs> and then I'm going to go over to the sea. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those movies where I fell asleep, but I, but I definitely like this movie a lot oh, yeah, and respect good. it a lot. That's good because I just worry with its reputation, you know, people are kind of predisposed to anything that's kind of like fed you on a platter of like, this is the greatest ever. Right. Uh, there's a certain amount of skepticism. And I think it's good to have a, a healthy skepticism about anything that's kind of ordained in that way. I liked it more than I thought I would because I am not a huge fan of old 
classic movies, which some people are. My friend Amy, she loves older movies, all the older movies. And sometimes I watch them and I'm like, eh. And this one I was, I thought was really, I could see why it's on the list. Like it's very, very good. And I, I need to foster an appreciation for the classics maybe a little bit more. You need to Charles Foster Kane. Charles Foster Kane. <laughs> Kane. <laughs> I can do. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's still, it's kind of like in that Casablanca. Oh, what's another old movie we've watched? Oh, we just watched it's, it's a, a wonderful, wonderful life. life. Yeah, I've got three movies from the forties on my in my top ten. Yeah, and so it definitely is like, do I think some modern movies are better than Citizen Kane? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, white <laughs> like, chicks, it, white like white <laughs> chicks. But it gets a lot of credit, and I can see why. Maybe even more so than those other two that we just mentioned in terms of just. The shots and the cinematography and I don't know, you can't help but like be impressed by that, especially knowing that this was kind of revolutionary oh, at yeah. the time. Um, but does it, does it mean that it's better than I'm, what's like a parasite? I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm, and again, that's okay. It's, it's yeah. 80 years later. If we haven't 100%. gotten better at making movies since yeah. then. And we keep talking about this, which is like, it's not fair to compare these movies in that way. In either direction. In either direction. Exactly. And I could see why when this came out, it was a banger. Like people, <laughs> you know, yeah. it just has a lot of bells and whistles to it <clears> that I, haven't seen in the more classic movies I've watched. Right. It's got some real cool, like you said, cinematography, foreshadowing. I think the acting is great. Yeah. The twists are really nice. Yeah. I mean, obviously visually stunning as we talked about, but remembering that Wells came from radio, it's really interesting in a sonic way too. Like the, the edits that they use with sound and the overlapping dialogue is something that's very kind of new at the time. Oh, yeah. It was revolutionary in so many ways. And it looks, the, it's visually stunning, but they really spent quite a bit of money, I'm sure, on sets yeah. and costumes. I just, I spent my morning, we finished the movie last night. I spent my morning watching my DVD, which is, uh, just one of my most precious possessions. Um, <laughs> it actually you is. You did one, a little curtsy when you said that. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I don't know if you guys are in on this new technology, uh, digital video disc or D- DVD. D- <laughs> but, uh, it, it really is one of the better sets that I ever bought because it's got two commentary tracks, one from Peter Bogdanovich, who was, uh, Wells's kind of right-hand man uh, during the beginning of his film career. And another one from Roger Ebert, which I think is the best commentary track that I've ever heard. I love Roger Ebert. And uh, it it was kind of – it was nice to kind of spend some time with Roger this morning. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he's just going through the film shot by shot and kind of explaining some of the technical innovations behind every shot. And oddly enough, they didn't spend a lot of money on this. They didn't have – they did not have much of a budget. They really strung – uh, a lot of effects together and they used all the ingenuity that they had to make it look like uh, wow. there was some money spent on this. Cause our- that shot at the very end of all the <clears throat> stuff. That's a lot of stuff. <laughs> Lots of stuff. They used a lot of map paintings for, for stuff. And one of the things that Ebert keeps saying during the commentary is this has as many special effects as Star Wars does. You just not, con- because you're not really being transported into a, 
a fantastic world. You're not really conscious of the special effects going on, but they used a lot of like composite shots too of shooting things separately and kind of editing them together. Um, one of the shots that I think is so cool is the first time that you go to Susan Alexander's opera performance, they do this shot where she's singing the, the curtain goes up and you follow the curtain going up into the fly uh, area of the, the theater. Two dudes there, are up there. There's two teamsters, or not teamsters, but union stagehands, and one of them like holds his nose, like <laughs> she stinks, you know. <laughs> but uh, as Ebert explained it, that is not one continuous shot. As the camera goes up, there's a wipe to a painting of like uh, a fly system, and then there's another wipe to the two guys. But it really looks like the camera is going up like 50 feet into the air. Oh, baby, of this I didn't theater. notice that. That's nice, nice tidbit there, Eves. <laughs> another famous shot is when Kane is giving his political speech in front of that crowd of thousands, and it's really just Orson Welles and a few extras on the stage. The shot of the crowd is another map painting, and they poked holes in it and and shone light. Uh, out of the holes to make it look like people were moving around wow. in, the, in the crowd. So That's incredible. They stretched their limited budget as far as they could. This was done by Archeo Pictures, which was kind of a lesser studio. They were more of a B picture. And this is so many, most of the actors in it, this was their first feature film. So they oh. were, they were not known commodities. Wells was kind of famous in New York theater and in radio. And obviously he had had his war of the worlds thing mm-hmm. where he had, uh, freaked out, everybody. freaked out, freaked out everyone into believing that Martians were invading us. And that's really what got him the Hollywood contract where he got total autonomy to write, direct and star in his own project. So this, but this really is like, this is like a Sundance indie hit. Of a bunch of unknown little, actors little that you've Ms. never Sunshine seen before. Of the 40s. <laughs> That's amazing. I I thought he was fabulous. Yeah. Had you really seen Orson Welles in anything? No, before? I'm telling you, I you know I I I don't I don't get into it. I think I started watching movies that were produced around 78. Yeah. <laughs> 78 and up minus Superman. Of course, just a few. Yeah, I started right at Superman and ended at Ford versus Ferrari. <laughs> But, but, you know, I, I, I wish I had a more, uh, more of an appreciation for those films. I don't know. It's just not my bag, but he was great in this. So I, I afford your listeners that, that, that new, new fresh eye of a fresh newbie. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, that, that does make me feel good. Uh, because I think of like the old timey pictures, it's not that stodgy. Like it actually is like exciting. It is. It is. It's great. Yeah. Uh, Orson Welles, 26, I think he was 25 while they were shooting this. So crazy. But he's playing Kane probably from age 25 to 75. It's really or so. incredible. Wow. That he looks old as hell in that part <laughs> where after, after she leaves and he breaks the room up, he's got that milky eye situation going on. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The makeup is pretty great, I think, but, uh, it probably helps that it's in black and white as well, you know, but it, it really is like uh, like if Timothy Chalamet was playing a 75-year-old wow. guy now, you That's know, like an crazy. actor who's that young. I just don't think we'd buy it uh, in present. You know, our standard for believability is probably different, but I think you can get away back then with stuff that feels a little more theatrical. Dare I say, this is a, probably very controversial, but they aged him better than some of what I saw in The Irishman. <laughs> Maybe some Use, of using was, digital effects. Yeah, some of yeah. those digital effects were not so good. <laughs> like you, you haven't improved upon uh, 
basic makeup that you had in Honestly, 1941. Honestly, I mean, he, he, they aged him well in this film. Yeah. Of I course, it's harder to. Have Irishman yet? Ooh, scandal. Should I, should I pass? <laughs> well, uh, what if it's my number one movie of all time, Carla? You're, <laughs> oh. you're going to have to watch it. Did any films knock out any films in the four <laughs> years of your list of 100? This is a very exciting question. Well, Jamie, you're jumping the gun just slightly, but, uh, <laughs> uh, and other Craig's listeners have asked, uh, will we continue? And we will continue because, oh, really? right? <laughs> Get Carla. Carla may not be involved, but Excuse I, me, goodbye. <laughs> come on, Benny. But I'm going to keep going. Uh, but oh, yeah, funny. I think we'll probably swap out anywhere from 10 to 15 movies on the list for, for new. Movie. But it hasn't happened yet. Hasn't happened yet. Oh, interesting. There, is, there has only been one thing I've definitely added to the list, and we kind of talked about in the Star Wars episode. I had taken out The Empire Strikes Back. I put it back in. So ah. Right now, there's technically 101 movies 101. on <laughs> Because we added uh, Empire. Uh, Joseph Cotton, who plays Jed Leland, was 36. Uh, Dorothy Comingore, who plays Susan, was 28. Everett Sloan, who played Bernstein, was 32 at the mm. time. And even the guy who plays Thatcher, who is like his old uh, guardian, was was an actor in his early 30s. I also too. thought they aged him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really the kid who played their son. Forty-eight, <laughs> the oldest actor in the movie. Yeah, he's but incredible. he actually looked a lot like Orson Welles, a little too much like Orson Welles. If you know what I mean, who's that kid's mom? Because uh, she's got some tales to tell. Can I? Uh, is it? Is it? Can I say wh- the death of of Emily and the son? Yeah. Why was that so glossed over? Yeah, that's never really covered, right? No, I'm they like, just... did I go to the bathroom or something? Like, <laughs> I, I was shocked. It doesn't really come up. It's mentioned once. And they die in a car accident. They die in a right? car accident. Yeah. yeah, two years after divorcing him, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, have you been to Hearst Castle? No. Uh, Gosh, no, I don't think so. You gotta go. Yeah, I gotta go. I mean, it's a, that's a tourist destination. <laughs> so the life of Charles Foster Kay in this movie obviously closely modeled on William Randolph Hearst, who had an affair with Marion Davies, a much younger actress. And Hearst did everything in his power to prevent this movie from being Ooh, re- released. And it was a box office flop. Uh, it was very well regarded by critics. I think it won the New York Critics Awards. It was nominated for nine Oscars, and it won Best Original Screenplay for Herman Mankiewicz and Orson Welles. However, it was booed every time it was mentioned at the Oscar ceremony that year. And uh, Hearst, I think, got an advanced copy because Mankiewicz, uh, the co-writer, was a friend of his who used to go to parties at San Simeon, a.k.a. Hearst Castle. And so, AKA Xanadu. AKA Xanadu. <laughs> so, uh, I guess stole aspects uh, of his life. Wells always claimed at the time that, uh, Kane is an amalgamation of different kind of media barons and rich men, but I think it's obvious that most of the things were lifted from. But then later Hearst. he pretty much. Yeah, we, them. we watched a little bit of a documentary yeah. where he, uh, admitted feeling bad about the way the Marion Davies character was portrayed in this. Is yeah. she a bad singer? No, uh, she was an actress that Hearst got into silent films, uh, and he tried to put her into more serious stuff, but apparently she was a very talented comedian. Um, 
she also was close with uh, Charlie Chaplin. There's that movie, The Cat's Meow, which is done by Peter Bogdanovich, mm-hmm. which is about an incident where a, a man was murdered on Hearst's yacht. And, uh, Charlie Chaplin was on the boat and Marion Davies and, uh, Hearst. One of the stories is that Hearst suspected of them having an affair or walked in on them making love, I guess, and tried to shoot Chaplin and accidentally killed this other guy instead. They were uh, like, well, no harm, no foul. <laughs> hey, you know what? Whatever happened here. Let's just, uh, when we get off the boat, handshake, never talk about it again. Like, I... But I think it's Edward Herman, I think is, it is, is yeah. Hearst and in the Kirsten movie. Dunst. Kirsten Dunst is Marion Davies yeah. and, Eddie Izzard is Chaplin. Right? Oh wow! Yeah, What's the name of that movie? The Cat's Meow. Huh. Yeah, it came out in like 2000, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Maybe. You know, and I, my dad also, when I told him about this movie, he he rattled off all the names of the stars in this, and he mentioned that the William Randolph Hearst thing and Marion. He he's very adept at all of those movies and things. But c- considering that you've you've taught in Cambria, which is not far from. Hearst Castle, like if uh, if you ever go there again to gotta go there. Are, it's kind of amazing, I think. I mean, it is it's, truly. It's amazing. about three hours away. It's about four hours from LA. Okay, let's go today. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. It's uh, mind blowingly. They huge. also have like five different tours. So like when you go, you pick one tour. So you only see a fifth or a fourth, whatever oh, it is. Wow. One tour can't possibly show you everything. It's, wow. It's wow, it sounds the massive. craziest. But it's also like kind of haunted feeling and sad because it's kind of falling apart. It was never finished. Yeah. There there weren't tons of people living there, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, he would he would host Hollywood parties there, which right. like Especially back then, that must have been a long ass drive for people yeah. coming up the coast. And now there's like a foundation, I think, that keeps it up, and it costs them so much money just to keep the keep everything in working order. So they're like, you've paid to do the tour, and then they're kind of like asking for more money <laughs> as you're leaving. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have fun? Clank, clank, clankety, clank, clank. Yeah. Yeah, you can do a tour of just the swimming pools alone, yeah. right? There, there's like four ginormous pools that are there. But I think for anyone living in California or visiting California, I think it's a must-see. It's incredible. Wow, it's a- maybe I'll take a little weekend up there. I'm always looking for a reason to get out of L.A. Me too. Let's have a party. <laughs> we'll have have a, 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 a dog Coke party. <laughs> But because Hearst controlled the media, you know, he owned dozens and dozens of newspapers. He had the power to stop Hollywood from releasing this, basically. Luella Parsons, the famous gossip columnist, was a Hearst uh, employee. Employee. And she saw a screening and basically got word to Mr. Hearst and uh, did everything within her power to kind of denigrate Wells. Wells was accused of being a communist in Hearst papers. Do we think this damaged his career? It absolutely damaged his career. That screenplay oscar that he won was the only oscar he ever got in his entire career his next movie was then magnificent ambersons which is also a masterpiece has some of the same actors that this does but uh the studio kind of took control away from wells and uh it's the final version is only like 80 minutes long i think he wanted to release about a three-hour movie it's still a great movie it's got a lot of the it's same cinematographer greg tolan who who did this it's got a similar look but uh and that footage was lost and will never be found uh. again and then he progressively worked less and less in hollywood over his career and mostly did his movies independently with very low budgets so we can totally feel sorry for him but also like wasn't he kind of a dick <laughs> <laughs> absolutely like he was a yes. pretty problematic person right 
Yeah, I, I think he was somebody who was raised from a early age to, you know, believe that he was he was a, a boy wonder, you yeah. know. He was a magician. He was like a stage actor as a kid. I think he was an only child. Uh oh. Danger alert. <laughs> I am also an only child. <laughs> <laughs> and he had a lot of success early on. Yeah. Too. I mean, he he was getting this power in Hollywood at twenty five years old you so know. maybe he was maybe some of his uh, not being successful wasn't all based on the blacklist situation blackballing yeah maybe I, his I own attitude he, added to that problem i think he burned a lot of bridges yeah. certainly i'm also thinking now maybe i'm confusing some of marlon brando's stories with orson wells <laughs> Possibly, but I think there's probably parallels. Yeah, with, you and know. maybe some of the Corys in there too. <laughs> Feldman, yeah, Haim, maybe, maybe just a touch. <laughs> but uh, you can't deny that he's a great. Did you know which Corys she was talking about? Oh, I, I know who the Corys are. <laughs> Certainly, I've seen License to Drive. Yeah, who hasn't? <laughs> I mean, there's only two Corys: Haim and Feldman. <laughs> I can't think of another. <laughs> But you can't deny that Wells is a great actor. Oh, he was fantastic. And, yeah, and for sure. Very charismatic. Uh, and Joseph Cotton, I think, is a great actor as, as well. Every time you say that, what is the villain's name in Scream that Liev Schreiber plays? It's something Cotton. Oh, Cotton Weary. Cotton Weary. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, is it Joseph Cotton? Did they name it after a Citizen Kane movie? Nope, I'm wrong. <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's Cotton Weary. <laughs> I think you're right. Oddly enough, HBO did a movie about the making of Citizen Kane called RKO 241 oh, or something that. like that. Did you see That's it? That's great. I totally forgot that I saw that. And who played Orson Welles in that? Uh, you just said his name. Liev Schreiber. Liev Schreiber yeah. played Orson Welles. And I think James Cromwell was hers. And Naomi Watts was Marion. I love James Cromwell. Right? No, this is 99, I think. Oh. So I think it's Melanie Griffith. You're totally right. It was Marion Davis. It was Melanie Griffith. Yeah. Because she wasn't a teenager at, at the time. You Here's know, she the thing. Was... Naomi Watts was married to Liev Schreiber. That's, That's right. I got it mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> and Liev Schreiber, maybe not a great guy either, but we don't have time to <laughs> talk about burning bridges. <laughs> Liev, you're going to be listening to this episode like, I love Chris. Wait a goddamn <laughs> son of a... <laughs> Liev, you know what you did, buddy. You know what you did. We all know what you did. You know what you did. We'd still love to have you on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, What else did you enjoy about this, Jamie? I loved – I mentioned a little bit about the cinematography, but I love the shadows. I love the light to dark moments. Like, they really seem to utilize that in a nice way. Um, I really enjoyed the performances, obviously. I thought that the ending was great. The way they, the ending was chilling. When he's like, well, we'll never know what it meant. And <laughs> pieces of a puzzle, and he's got a little puzzle piece in his hand, he tosses it away. Life isn't like, isn't life just a jigsaw puzzle anyway? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then just all that kind of, you know they're going to zero in on whatever it is. Yeah. It was kind of like the end of, of um basic instinct you think the movie's over then the lights come back up and they go down for the the ice pick you know they're gonna figure out what it is and so then when they kind of narrow in on it and then i agree with craig the gut punch of then or maybe carla said it the gut punch of then the sled going right into the fire pile 
<laughs> it's like not only is it sad the way it ended with all the stuff because stuff doesn't buy happiness <laughs> then to just watch it be incinerated and the fact that he kind of doesn't even really care at the end i guess we'll never know oh well another life wasted like yeah. it's just kind of messed up all the way around that last that last five minutes is kind of brutal i actually love that it's rep- the reporters who are the ones trying to figure it out mm-hmm because they do have kind of like that distance from it. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like it'd be different if like one of if the ex-wife was like trying to figure it out. Yeah. Or the it, dead son, the ghost comes yeah. back and he's like, "I'm the dead son." Well, I it need makes to it know. even more sad, I think, that it's like the per- the people who cared the most were really just the ones who wanted to exploit whatever it was. Like yeah. he exploited people in his paper for years and years. A little bit of that Christmas carol like Who's buried here? Oh, you know, that old dumbass. Yeah. Like, that kind of thing. It's that, that remove, yeah. that little, that one removed from caring. <laughs> totally. Yeah, the reporters don't have an emotional attachment to right. it. Like, and they've got to move on to the next story. Yep. It's like, now Kane's been dead for a few days. Okay, we didn't get an answer to that. What's the next story? Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when yeah. it's like really the key to his whole character as a person, his whole ethical and like morals are wrapped up in this thing yeah yep they're like yeah who cares let's go (laughs) out of here and then the camera just panning over all that stuff and then zeroes in and then it's like put it on the burn pile (laughs) depressing let's watch white chicks (laughs) (laughs) i've actually never seen (laughs) i haven't either i really haven't either but is I love busy that in that? Yeah, it's come up like five or six times in this last half hour. <laughs> also, I think when we had you for Body Heat, you had recommended Basic Instinct as well, and I still have never seen that. I like Basic Instinct. I know I've never seen it's it either. Really, it's really not a great movie, though. <laughs> Speaking of vaginas, though, the uh, yikes! <laughs> apparently, that was Rosebud was Hearst's nickname for Davy's private parts. Uh, a hundred percent. I. Th- a hundred percent there is that element of like you of thinking that rosebud as they're going around asking about it like i get the sense that they think it's about like a woman or something right because it is like a vagina word (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like rosebud rose petal yeah petal flower george o'keefe vagina <laughs> you no. just did the six degrees of Kevin Bacon <laughs> on Rosebud and George O'Keefe. Uh, the cinematographer I mentioned before, Greg Toland, and he was famous for his deep focus techniques. So, uh, meaning that everything in the frame is in the, the same amount of focus. And so, <laughs> what? Deep focus sounds like a word for penis. <laughs> Deep focus, focus up, up, chuck, gag, fellatio. <laughs> we're really, we're really earning that explicit rating <laughs> on this episode. But like, we were just talking about that, and then the first thing you said was deep focus. Okay. Uh, well, I didn't know your mind was going to go there. <laughs> Boy, he's really got some deep focus on her rosebud there. Uh... But there's a lot of shots where a character will wander into the background and they're in the same amount of focus as the people in the foreground. So I, I think that's another thing about long takes for, for some of these shots as well. And, uh, 
Tolan had kind of pioneered this technique on a John Ford movie the previous year called The Long Voyage Home. He eventually did win a cinematography award for The Best Years of Our Lives, which was the Oscar winner for 1946. But he died young. He was an alcoholic and died in 1948. So he didn't have a career much longer than this. Did he pioneer the technique of the camera moving? Uh, I, I don't I, think so necessarily. I read the documentary, they were talking about how like normally you would just cut from one thing to the next, but that there's a lot of shots in this movie where the camera moves from one thing to the yeah. next. I mean, did I, did I make that up? N- no, I, I, I don't think that he invented it, but maybe using it to better effect than anybody ever had Utilized before. It. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's one just astounding shot when you talk about the kid, uh, playing in the snow when you see young Charles, uh, back in Colorado playing with the sled in the snow. They literally go, it's all one shot. They go out from the outside in through the window of the cabin to Thatcher and his parents and then eventually follow them sitting down at the table. Now the camera moves through the table, which was not there. Uh, they had to move the table in right after the camera goes past mm. it. And you can see Thatcher's hat, which he had placed on the table earlier, jiggle a little bit because they literally just put it into place Ooh, I love as that. the camera follows That's there. Cool. And all the while, the kid is still playing out the window in the uh, in the snow. And it's like a three-minute tracking shot. He's is, playing by himself, right? Yeah, yeah he's having it's fun. It's so funny because it sounds like there's ten children outside. <laughs> <laughs> Like he's talking to himself, he's laughing. He's talking to the sled. His <laughs> to his best friend. Uh, you hear him saying constantly, of "Like, oh, Rosebud, I'm having so much fun with you playing out here today. I love you, Rosebud. Well, you never go wrong in our lives, Rosebud. We've got the world on our shoulders, Rosebud. What do you want for lunch, RB? Maybe Mama will make us some sandwiches." And Greg, <laughs> Greg Tolan, in addition to being the cameraman, has a cameo as the interviewer in the newsreel, uh, when Kane gets off the boat, uh, when he's like, come on, young man, uh, when I was a reporter, we asked questions faster than that. That's Greg Tolan, oh, cool. uh, there cameo. as well. There's also two actresses in this movie who became famous later for their TV work. Well, Phoebe Wallingford. From all my children. <laughs> yes, that's Ruth Warwick who plays uh Kane's wife. Did you ever watch in this? Uh, wow. all my children? Maybe a little, yeah. Wow. She was Phoebe. She was like the I, matriarch. Yep, she was the matriarch. That's the show with Erica Kane. With right? Erica Kane, yes. Yep. Oh Erica Kane, Kane, Citizen Kane. <laughs> Kevin Bacon. Kevin Candy Kane. Candy Kane Christmas. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> and then the other Mrs. Kane, Kane's mom, was Agnes Moorhead. Of course. She's Wait, from many things, including <laughs> Bewitched. Yes, Agnes Moorhead was in Dora on Bewitched. Of course. <laughs> she was wonderful. And this was her first movie as well. And she was the mom? She's Kane's mom. Yeah, she just has the one scene, but that she's That part was great. sad, too. That was a lot. I didn't get, there was one thing about that part that was interesting. There's a lot of subtext in that. Cause you want to sympathize with the dad, but then he's like, oh, I'll knock you into Tuesday. And she's like, that's exactly why he's going. Cause the dad's like, I'm a dad. I get some say in this. I want my son here. I'm a fun loving dad. And you're like, why is she doing this? And he's like, every, I don't do it. I'll knock you around. And then it's like, oh, she's like, that's exactly. It's a very interesting. Yeah. It's a good turn to the scene. A little twisty. 
Also, the dad's like seventy, and the mom's like thirty-five. Yeah, the dad's old, and he's an old co- he's an old coot. He's like, ah, bubbling brook of oil. It is Texas tea. <laughs> she and she's young, but kind of marmish, you know. Yeah, she also has a great role in the Magnificent Ambersons as well, which is completely different. Wells used a lot of the same actors. Uh, Everett Sloan, who is Mr. Bernstein, is the villain in Wells' The Lady from Shanghai, which is another great movie with him and Rita Hayworth. There's something to be said for loyalty, <laughs> Hollywood <laughs> listeners. <laughs> and they're all part of the Mercury Players, which was his theater company. And I really like the credits at the end of the movie where you show, they shows you a little clip of each of, act, uh, each of the actors, too. And the cool thing about that is those are alternate takes – uh, those are not the same takes that he uses in the movie. Uh, because there is the one scene of Mr. Thatcher where he looks right in the camera and says, I think it would be fun to run a newspaper. I think it would be fun to run a newspaper. <laughs> Which Carla did not care for. That's the worst part of the film. <laughs> I, I think it's so much fun. But in the take he uses at the end of the movie, he does it, he rolls his eyes instead. He does like this gin- ginormous <laughs> eye roll. Which is really I'm funny. A fa- I'm a fan of that. <laughs> well, let's go chronologically through the movie a little bit with a segment that we like to call Carla's Quotes. She's feeling her oats and Greg's taking notes. Whatever they are, it's Carla's Quotes. A lot of quotes this time, Carla? Uh-huh. Uh, she's getting a good yawn in. <laughs> It's I think that yawn happened while your music was playing, right? <laughs> just put the music. Well, we could have covered it, but uh, I just, for the record, I just want it known that <laughs> Carla. I was it holding in. that yawn this whole time because <laughs> I knew you were going to cut to music. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just tired. It's not that I'm bored. <laughs> I just have a. It's been a week. Let's start over. Say Carlos quotes. Again. <laughs> no, news, let's start, let's start news on the march. <laughs> uh, I love those just opening shots of establishing Xanadu. If you notice, the the window of the castle is always in the same place as he cuts progressively closer and closer, but the window uh, remains unified, and then eventually we go inside that window. It's very kind of stylized of Kane saying, Rosebud, the globe dropping out of his hand, crashing on the floor. Um, Carla said, this is really cool. Great shot. <laughs> Good work, cinematographer. <laughs> hey, what happened to all the animals at the Hearst estate? <laughs> <laughs> In in real life, yeah, yeah. I mean, in that documentary we watched, it showed like elephants and yeah. tigers and uh, kangaroos. Oh, I'm scared. Where did they go? I think they were all eaten, probably. Um, By Hearst. By Hearst. <laughs> Tonight we're having elephant. He's carnivore. Where waste not, want not. I'm William Randolph Hearst. Rosebud. I'm gonna Rose. Eat, <laughs> I'm going to eat some elephant. I'm going to eat some rosebud. <laughs> Practicing my deep focus <laughs> Yes. I hope they were eventually given to more reputable zoos, maybe. I don't know. There are still, like, I think there's zebras on the property to this day. I think there are. There are some animals still there. There's like, there's like a herd of zebras. I don't know if it's zebras, but <laughs> they, no one ever, no one can catch them. They just throw some food out there like and hope for the best. Maybe some wild turkeys or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, he just has a lot of whiskey there. That's the wild turkey you're thinking of. Oh. I get it. Rosebud. <laughs> <laughs> 
deep <laughs> focus. <laughs> I think this is at some point during the newsreel footage, but you, when Kane is talking, you said, um, when he's like, I'm an American, uh, you were like, sounds like Trump. Yeah. One thing, yeah. one thing that, uh, I learned when watching the documentary this morning too is that when Luella Parsons, uh, saw the screening, she literally said, there's going to be tons of beautiful lawsuits. And I'm like, oh, that's such a Trumpian thing. Oh, like, yes. the use, the use of beautiful, uh, as an all purpose adjective to mean evil. Yeah. <laughs> to mean the, it's opposite. And I'd never heard anybody other than Trump use it in, in that way. A beautiful lawsuit. But Hearst really did create the Spanish-American War just as Kane does in, in this movie. Like it was, it was not uh, a war that we were supposed to be in or whatever. It was just something totally manufactured by the, uh, by the papers. Well, and also Hearst, I, I, we have a part about him in our, uh, sketch show, Yes, We Can, when we go back into the past because he's a big part of decriminalization of marijuana. Or a big part of the smear campaign against marijuana, I should say, because he it wasn't in his best interest for something that was so profitable that grew so fast when it comes to deforestation, when it comes to the things that hemp could do making paper, rope, medicine, you know, it grows like a weed. And so he's part of that smear campaign of of let's call it marijuana, let's say all the terrible things that it does. Like he's not a good guy. Nope. It was also a way to demonize Mexican immigrants. Of course, absolutely. Too, that's that... big. And African Americans. Reefer Madness. Yeah, he bad boy. William Randolph, bad boy. <laughs> Benny, not you. <laughs> but doing during the newsreel, Carla said basically they're showing us the whole movie before we watch it, right? Which is kind of weird. I mean, I like it. Well, one thing that Ebert says, uh, and I'm always going to go back to Ebert's commentary. Of course you are. On my digital video disc. <laughs> is that the disjointed storytelling is something that was very unique too. I mean, everything's kind of told out of sequence. Yeah. You replay different scenes through different characters' eyes. And so you do have to kind of give the audience a roadmap of like, here's the major events in Kane's life. This is what happened. Now we're going to chop that all up and tell it all out of order through different um, unreliable narrator. See, and that's what well. I was thinking when I was watching it. I was thinking to myself, this is probably not the way that they do it. Usually a movie probably just starts and that's where it goes, you right. know? So in that regard, it's kind of cool because they're going, uh, hey, we're going to give it up quick. Guess, guess what? You don't know what the fuck's going to happen. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Definitely. So it's very kind of structurally innovative as well. And I love the way that newsreel ends and then you see it's just – it's here's the filmmakers who are kind of watching it in the screening room. And the lighting in that scene is just spectacular Absolutely. where you don't really see any of the reporters. And here's another way that he uh, covered his low budget. A lot of those reporters that we don't see are the actors who play other characters in the movie. Like oh, Joseph wow. Cotton is in that scene. The guy who plays Thatcher is in that scene. You just can't see their faces because he needed more bodies there. So he was just having actors kind of double down <laughs> there. That's awesome. Must have not been a lot of budget to cover extras, I well, guess. And I also just love that I, I didn't realize that was his theater company that he was using. Love that. Yeah. And the actor who plays Mr. Thompson, the journalist uh, who we follow through most of the movie, was Wells' assistant. And he also is the guy doing the newsreel voiceover. I don't know if 
if that if that's literally supposed to be Mr. Thompson, the character doing mm-hmm. the voiceover, but there was an actual newsreel guy that they tried to hire who was the famous voice and he wanted too much money. So uh this actor was like, Orson, I can do an imitation of that guy's voice. So so he does the newsreel uh voiceover. And um how much time do they really have to like they've they've we've just watched a ten minute newsreel which is ready to go out for this hot news and are they really taking the extra time of like you know what I'm not that happy with that go back out and interview everybody from his life <laughs> <laughs> so we can figure out what the answer to Rosebud is you know it's gonna be old news by the time he comes back with a report right 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 absolutely also one of the central mysteries is who heard him say Rosebud. It, was it the tall guy at the end who was kind of a smarmy guy? What was well, it? yeah, his valet at yeah. the end kind of like says, I was there yeah. when he says, but we don't see him in that room. Yeah. And he appears fact, to be he alone. He had that attitude where he'd be like, like the reporter goes in and goes, I heard he said this. I was in there when he said it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. lie about it, but maybe <laughs> not. I mean, that is yeah. weird. Who's, who did hear him say that? Several of his nurses, Craig. I thought it was a nurse. I don't know why I thought that. Well, we see the nurse walk into the room after he says Rosebud. Oh. Maybe there's another nurse sitting at the foot of the bed knitting. What if he said Rosebud? She walks in and then he says Rosebud, 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 Rosebud. What, if he, what if he says Rosebud and she comes in and she goes, I've told you once. I've told you a thousand times. My name is Beatrice. Why won't you learn it? Please, Mr. Kane. And my vagina's name is Diane. Yes. My vagina's name is Diane and everyone knows it. Everyone in this, everyone in this place. Your entire staff of dozens knows. You'll address my vagina by its proper name. But I want to call it Rosebud. There's a little visual joke, which uh, film nerds will, will appreciate, when he goes to see Susan Alexander at her nightclub twice. So it kind of pushes through the neon sign. The camera pushes through the skylight down into the club. The second time we see her, we see that the top of the skylight is shattered. There's a hole in it as if that's where the camera went the first time. Oh, I love that. Fun. <laughs> Missed it. Missed it, too. Uh, another thing that I learned from Raj... Is that the witness, which is usually Thompson when he's interviewing people, is always in the bottom right of the frame. And then when we go into flashbacks, if it's Jedediah's flashback or Bernstein's flashback, they're always in the bottom right of the uh, of the frame. Very cool. Another thing that Tolan did was he would place the camera on the floor and shoot up a lot. So you see ceilings in this movie more than any other film at the time. And he did that to make Kane appear larger than life. Yeah. And then he would shoot down on Susan to make her appear small and insignificant. Sad. She looked terrible when she was in the bed. Yeah. <laughs> After her suicide attempt. I mean, that's purposely like unflattering light, I mean, lighting, I was like, right? Yay, yay. Give her yeah. Lipstick or something. <laughs> you are not looking good, my dear. Give us some lipstick. <laughs> <laughs> she just tried to kill herself. <laughs> I love that edit when they make Thatcher uh, age 20 years where he says, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Uh, they, it's like a 20 year cut, which is pretty cool. Um, so after- many cool things for real. Like, I feel like it doesn't matter how many times I would watch it. I wouldn't catch everything, you know? Yeah. That's why we need the Ebs. <laughs> we, we miss you, Ebs. 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 <laughs> Are you talking LaCroix. about a vagina? <laughs> 
And on that moment I talked about where he looks right in the camera, Carla said, yikes, not great. That's a naked gun outtake. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's a scather. <laughs> but a, a really- I mean, it's so, it's so jarring that it does kind of make you be like, what were they thinking? <laughs> <laughs> Was this a joke? And then they kept it in? I think so. I think it's there because it's fun. I think. All right. And it's calling, it's calling. Can you mention anything else that's fun about the movie? It's a little tongue in cheeky. (laughs) Yeah. It's breaking the fourth wall. It's acknowledging the artifice of film. Yeah. Remind me of a little bit of that great Gatsby Leonardo version. (laughs) Uh, yeah, that's Baz Luhrmann, right? Yeah. Did the great Gatsby? I like that Baz Luhrmann. Yeah. I like that Robert Redford. Did you see the Redford? Yeah. Great Gatsby? I've never seen that one. No. It's, it's really good. Oh. I think it's better. You don't think so? I've only seen the Leo version. Oh, because it came, it came out before 1978. So. Hate to say. I see, I sound like a rube. I like movies, but I, I tend to go later. <laughs> Minus All About Eve. Yeah. That's a great one. That is Whatever a great happened one. to Baby Jane. Ooh, that's another great one. Did you watch Feud? Yes, of course. Was, I loved you. That was so, so great. Good. That was it? really good. I Jessica. So too. Jessica Lange. Jessica. Can do. No. Wrong. <laughs> and Susan. Jessica and Susan. Susan B. Anthony can do. <laughs> no. Wrong. Uh, that montage of Thatcher looking at the various newspaper headlines where, uh, Kane is trashing him, uh, over the years. So you see him, like, you read the newspaper headline, he folds up the newspaper, reads the newspaper headline, folds up the newspaper, and finally he reads a headline, folds up the newspaper, and Kane is right there in front of him. <laughs> that is such a cool Another reveal as well. Uh, and we really, other than that one brief scene, we have not seen Wells as Kane until 25 minutes into the movie. So he's no, it's similar to the third man where he doesn't appear to like an hour into the movie and he's got that great reveal of the spotlight. Um, Wells, uh, I think that's another like tying into his narcissism probably of like he liked a big entrance. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that the build was really cool. I mean, honestly, the way they started it by giving us all the information just really kind of let me know. Oh, I don't know that this is going to be what I expect. Yeah. Here's another little echo. In the mining town scene, his, when his mother is kind of signing her son away, the father kind of goes into the background and diminishes. And later when Kane is signing away his estate to Thatcher, Kane wanders into the background and is diminished as well. Whoa. Didn't I pick that up? <laughs> Roger Ebert told me that. Oops. Oops. <laughs> and I think he has that line to Thatcher where he's like, uh, everything you hate. And Carla said, he's so mean to him. <laughs> he, he is. Like, Thatcher's just doing his job. And, like, he seems like he cares. <laughs> Maybe, but let's also face facts. Uh, whose idea was this to take that kid out of there? The the moms or Thatcher's? I, was I have an idea. Why don't I raise him in the city? I was very confused about the circumstances of... I mean, I think we sussed it out a little bit, but... It's uh, her... Land. They discover a gold mine or something on her land. Right. So they're just like regular, simple country folk um, that have suddenly become 
multimillionaires. Rich, beyond their wildest dreams. And so she wants her son to be educated and go to proper schools and learn how to be a gentleman or, or whatever and knows that he can't do it in this small town. And also maybe the dad's abusive. Right. Do they never see – he never sees his parents again or it's never I don't discussed? think he ever does. Well, later on he says his mom passed away. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's all a little – Hazy, and then I just don't totally understand how the bank fits into it. Like, basically, yeah, why is the bank suddenly tasked with childcare? Yeah, she's like paying them, I guess, to take care of him. I yeah, don't know. I don't know. His estate is in like trust to Thatcher somehow, so Thatcher kind of like controls the purse strings in, in some way, and then Kane wastes a lot of his money on the newspapers and other ventures or, or whatever, and so has to cede back control to Thatcher somehow. Yeah. I mean, I, it didn't, I didn't go, oh my God, this is so implausible. Like, you know, uh, uh, you know, something really out there. But I, I was wondering a little bit of those yeah. extra details. Yeah. It doesn't ruin anything, but it's. No, absolutely not. <clears throat> but when you're talking about it, like we're doing on this podcast, it comes up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You, 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 you do give pause, like, okay, so. Just because I happen to be the banker brokering this deal, do I also take the kid? Or maybe she just said to him, listen, my kid, I want him to live a different life and I know I can't give it to him. You can. You, he, I, I sign him over into your trust. Yeah. And like the bank is taking care of their money. So they're being paid and also making interest, I'm sure, something off of this huge sum yes. is the idea. I mean, if we're going to get here though, I'll just say 30 seconds. Then isn't she rich and can't she, what was her rest of her life? Did she just not get a better house? <laughs> Did she just not husband? Like, get a better husband? She just stayed in there? I don't know. She, I was under the impression that she was signing it all the way to her son. Hmm. I could be wrong. Like I, that's, that was the impression I was under that she was like, this is all for him. It's just like succession to me. I tune out when they get into the finance stuff. Like I don't <laughs> I do love that. Succession. I do I don't understand how it works. Um I do think of Bernstein's line in this movie all the time which is uh it's no trick to make a lot of money if all you want is to make a lot of money. Yeah, Ooh. it is a good line. I just got goosebumps. <laughs> Uh, which is why we don't have a lot of money because we want other things. Yeah, in we're life, trying right? to make art. <laughs> but it would be no tr- if we wanted a lot of money, if we, we could it. do sure. it. Sure. <laughs> but just implying like you lose your soul in the process, but right. you could make a lot of anybody can make a lot of money. Uh, check, please. I'm interested in the other side now. I'm ready. <laughs> and he also has that great speech about the one time he saw the girl in the white dress. She didn't see him at all. He only saw her for five <gasps> seconds. Love but that. but not a week has gone by that he hasn't thought about her. Yeah. And a little creepy, but uh, – <laughs> and then he's got one more great line too, which is like old age is the only disease you don't want to get cured of. Oh, yeah. That's great. <laughs> um, when they're setting up their office in uh, – the when they're moving uh, the newspaper into this office, they have this ginormous truck, which is just loaded with all of Kane's shit because he's moving uh, into the office and taking over. He almost a, took the guy's a, head off with a rug. Yeah. <laughs> Carla said that truck is the one like the ones that park out front of our place. <laughs> We've got these junk trucks in our yeah, neighborhood. Yeah, they're overflowing. Yeah. Did you see them outside? I didn't notice. Oh. Yeah. Hang around a little bad. longer. You'll see. I've seen them all over all over yeah. LA. Yeah. There's like a junk man on our street who has like five different trucks just loaded with random shit piled yeah. to the top. 
but everybody's got to make a living. It's just, I hope there's not an earthquake when one's parked right up front. Because, <laughs> because all kinds of stuff will fall on our house and wake us up. Hey, how tall night. is this truck? They're very tall. <laughs> they really wow. are. The Simpsons has parodied Citizen Kane many times. There's uh, that song that the chorus girls sing to uh, Charles Foster Kane, which is so weird. Uh, there's a great episode where Smithers is singing it to Mr. Burns. Yeah. And I remember a Rosebud thing too. Is it Homer in a wheelchair and black and white? And yes. Goes, yeah. I remember that. I don't remember. <laughs> uh, the breakfast table scene is another famous one where you kind of see, uh, how their marriage dissolves over a few years with yeah. a series of shots back and forth. You see them like, uh, sitting together at the table, like, you know, they're still in the honeymoon phase or whatever, making googly eyes at each other. And they cut, keep cutting back and forth. Uh, and then eventually just show them sitting in silence at the other ends of the table. Yeah. Like that barely was, acknowledging that was each heartbreaking other. Heartbreaking to watch. She was wearing some interesting doily neckties. <laughs> <laughs> they're coming back. Oh, big, big time, baby. Take some off my table and put them around my neck. I love that you have doilies on your table. <laughs> and his wife is reading the Chronicle, which is the rival newspaper. I noticed that. Well. Spicy. <laughs> Passive, aggressive, much. <laughs> so then he meets his young girlfriend, Susan Alexander. She laughs at him getting splashed on the street. It's a great meet cute. It is cute. <laughs> it is cute. And he's running for what? Mayor or good? No, he's running for governor against boss Jim Geddes, who's like the corrupt politician that he's been railing against in his newspaper. But this guy gets the upper hand on him. He discovers that, oh, the time where you could have an affair and be disqualified from politics forever, <laughs> right? I miss those days. Am I right, Gary Hart? <laughs> <laughs> now look what goes on. It was a more innocent time, wasn't it? But uh but I do like that scene. The actor who plays Gettys is really good too. He's only got that one scene where he just kind of gives Kane uh he's like, I'm not a gentleman. Your husband's trying to be funny calling me one. You know? Yeah, what about when she she's like, I'm sending our son home in a different car. You're coming with me to one eighty five Willow Tree Lane. And he's going, Oh shit and then the lady opens the door, Hello, Mr. Kane and I'm like, Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> be You're cool, be you. cool. Ixnay on the aim Be cool, housekeeper. <laughs> no, she gives him up right away. Right away. Yeah. Back so soon? <laughs> you left your soiled undergarments here last time and I laundered them for... Oh, who's this? <laughs> And I love the scene where they show that the newspapers prepared two headlines, Kane elected governor and fraud at polls. <laughs> and then Bernstein's like, let's run with fraud at polls. Again, when I saw that, I was thinking of our current fake, fake news, very right? very upsetting, like how relevant it is. Yeah, Except I mean, that in our version of reality, <laughs> the bad guys, Kane's winning. Right now, right and now. And, and if you were to compare... Kane to Trump, Kane starts to not look like such a bad guy to me. Yeah. He starts to look like a decent human being compared <laughs> to this dingbat. <laughs> there is one scene. Things are going to get political is what we're saying on this podcast. I hope we're not losing this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine with it. Well, we lost Liev Schreiber already, but uh, <laughs> I think he's uh, conservative. 
Um, there is one scene where Joseph Cotton uh, misspeaks and they leave it in. You can see uh, Wells break a little bit when he says, I'm going to do dramatic crematism, crit- criticism. Oh, <laughs> I didn't notice that. I didn't That's notice good. it either. There's a, a nice little flub. Uh, I love the when Jed Leland is like, that, that house he's building, what is it, Shangri-La, El Dorado, Sloppy Joes. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's one of the better laughs in the movie, I think. He's like, I know, I know, Xanadu. <laughs> Just the idea that his castle might be called Sloppy Joes is <laughs> it's pretty funny. And then the opera teacher is the other, like, uh, obviously funny character oh, in I the movie. Oh, I love him down yeah. there trying to run the show. <laughs> yeah. Impossible, impossible. <laughs> Diaphragm. Just the looks on his face when he's like, oh, <laughs> dear, dear listener, you're, I'm doing faces now. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and his eyes are going. <laughs> And during the opera scene, Carla was like, I don't know. I think she sounds pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess we're supposed to think she's bad because everybody's wincing except well, that's for the thing. Kane. Denise was, my friend Denise was watching with me. And she's like, sounds pretty good. And then it goes up to the guy and he <laughs> plugs his nose and she's like, oops, <laughs> I guess general consensus is not. But her acting was terrible. That's the thing. Yeah. She, she couldn't pull off the performance. Her voice wasn't terrible. She, she had maybe a couple semi sour notes. But she was not selling it. She looked very out of her element. <laughs> right? When she's like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love the way that Kane uh, doubles down. Uh, like, there's a couple times where she's like protesting, like whatever he wants him to do, and he just repeats uh, the thing that he wants her to do. Uh, with the, there's one layer's like. I thought we might have a picnic tomorrow, Susan. She's like, well, I don't want to go uh, on a picnic. He's like, I think we're going to have a picnic tomorrow, Susan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Yeesh. he's like, you're going to continue with the opera. Uh, but then that scene where she attempts suicide and then he finally like lets her not sing anymore is like really heartbreaking. Yeah, it's sad. And she looks. She needs lipstick. Needs a little <laughs> lipstick. But, you know, then when they go back to check on her, she doesn't seem to be doing so good. She's like, oh. It's daytime already. I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> She's just building jigsaw puzzles all yeah. day. Yeah. And I wondered, like, here's where we get into budget. Did somebody have to build ninety nine percent of a jigsaw puzzle? Did you notice those jigsaw for... puzzles? They the pieces seemed really weird and thick, like interesting. They're like they're made out of wood. Yeah. Like they're not cardboard. That's like those j- are those were legit. Puzzle. I'd love to build that puzzle. That's yeah, me too. They look was, really cool. Right in the forties. Yeah. Let's look into this and see if we can get one and put it together on that table right there. <laughs> right there. Do you notice when they do have the picnic in South Florida or apparently where uh, Xanadu is supposed to be, there's some obvious rear projection and you see some like weird birds flying and they're actually pterodactyls from a Kong movie. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> so they reused a lot of stock footage uh, I love throughout that. this movie. I want to know, I want a list of all the movies, the famous movies that have, because the last time we, oh no. In an up ep- an upcoming episode. Oh yes. No, it was this last episode. What? Was it? You're gonna have to tune in to find out. <laughs> we talked about clouds that were used. Oh yes, that's in a future episode that we have already recorded. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Carla. I don't blame you for being disoriented. But uh, yeah, there's another yes. movie coming up where they took clouds from a different movie and added the clouds into the movie that we watched. Is it up? It's no nope. Pixar. <laughs> 
Craigslist listeners, you'll know what it is. I'm sorry. I'm ruining the podcast. <laughs> tell me later. Yeah, he'll tell you at the end. One thing that I really like about Wells' performance is how he plays Kane old. And in particular, the way he moves is really interesting. It reminds me a lot of, of my grandfather, Daddy Tate. My, my mother's father, Daddy Tate. Uh, because I think the stereotypical thing is like, I'm an old man moving slowly. And my grandfather, like the older he got, he moved faster and faster because he was like an athlete when he was younger. He was a boxer and he was used to being like kind of like full of life. And as he got older, like he didn't have full control of his body, but he would all keep moving fast and he would always be like knocking drinks off of counters and stuff like that. Kind of so amble about. Yeah. So there's something about the way Kane is like really stiff. Like his upper body is kind of moving a lot, but his lower body is very kind of still and the way he destroys that room is Ugh. it's it's almost is like he's a a, a t-rex yeah, or a, I, a, a grizzly was, bear that was really good and that was heartbreaking he, he i felt for him in that moment yeah and he did a great job tearing that room up and then when he tried to get to things he couldn't tear up he just moved on to something else and tore it down Another spectacular shot is when Kane wanders in front of the infinite mirrors and you see him getting kind of progressively smaller within all of the reflections of the mirrors. Really cool. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, obviously the ending of that, of the warehouse with all the crates of stuff is kind of an homage to the end of Citizen Kane. Mm. Oh, yeah. As well. Nice. Uh, was, that a, was that a Kakowski or an Ebs? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just Kakowski. Uh, khaki or Eves? <laughs> That's a fun little trivia game. Khaki or Eves? It's going to be Eves most of the time. <laughs> khaki stole everything he knows from Eves. And Bernard Herman was the composer on this who did uh, famously a lot of Hitchcock scores and did uh, the Taxi Driver score for uh, Scorsese. This was his first ever film that he did the uh, the composition for. And Robert Wise was the editor, later the director of... West Side Story and Sound of Music. Yeah. Ooh, two movies that I enjoy. That you have actually pre- seen. Pre-78. <laughs> and The Birds. That's three. Jamie, you want to give this movie a letter grade? I'm going to go with an A-. minus. Nice. Pretty good movie. Uh, really, really uh, glad to have seen it. Finally understand why it's a classic. Great performances. Nice subject matter <laughs> coming in at 159 <laughs> works for me. Yeah. Carla, for you? Well, I was going to give it an A minus, but I think because it's still pretty relevant and uh, resonant for what's happening, I'm going to give it an A. Nice. Yeah. Love it. What does that A stand for? It stands for uh, Agina. <laughs> <laughs> it takes the V right out of vagina. Sure does. That's how powerful it is. Interesting enough, like a lot of Wells's friends and contemporaries, uh, looking back on the movie and this documentary, uh, like Orson could have couldn't have known this, but the more they watch it now, it feels like it's about more about Orson than it's about and the arc mm. of his life oh, than it yeah. is about Sad. Hearst's life yeah. and and arc. Well, because Hearst and Marion stayed together, right? And like I think till his death, actually yeah. ended up it kind of ended up being a real love story. I think, yeah. as I understand it. Yeah. Um. Sad. Uh. Jamie, we're going to be doing our best of 2019 episode coming up next. So Carla and I won't tip our hand, but what, what did you like this year? The Oscars are coming up pretty soon. 
Well, I am glad you asked. <laughs> I I have to jump on that boat of what everyone's been jumping on, but I saw it early and before I think it took off. Parasite's my number one. I saw it. I wanted to see it because I saw a preview of it in a different movie, and I said, that looks interesting. And I saw it, and I loved it, and then I brought another friend to see it, and they loved it, and this was before it became hype-worthy. I think it's nearly a perfect film. I can't really see much fault with that movie. Mm. I thought the performances were great, the writing, the cinematography, beautiful. Uh, I enjoyed Little Women very much. I thought that was a nice reimagining, and... I really enjoyed how she did the script. Yeah. Made it new, fresh. Loved. Robbed of a director nomination. Robbed. Honestly, that's so, so stupid because she deserved it. Um, enjoyed, uh, Jojo Rabbit. I did enjoy that. I thought that was well done. Enjoyed 1917. Wow. That was, I was on the edge of my seat the entire time i saw that movie carla's not seen it yet maybe too stressful for her it is it is it is a i need to see it it is excellent but it's it's an edge of the cedar and i saw it in a packed theater with every not a empty seat in the house and it was a lot it was a lot it was one of those i have to go to the restroom but i'm not going to go to the restroom movies um i was saying that it has maybe has a more of a feel of a action thriller than a intense drama though i mean it has elements of both but i i to me, it it felt like watching just a great thriller. Yeah, I have to agree. It doesn't it doesn't feel like Hamburger Hill. You know what I mean? There's something else going on here. Yeah. Well made. Sam Mendes is is pretty good. I, yeah. I, I like what he does. What else did you like? Um, let's see. What have I missed here? So, Parasite's my number one. Um, favorite performance this year. Favorite performance this year would go to. <laughs> These are big questions you're asking I on know, the spot. I, let me I just know. think about this. I got to have to – I mean, again, if you could – I see why they didn't – well, actually, I don't see because I think a lot of this is politics of Oscars, but they didn't They didn't nominate any of the cast of Parasite. They they're just un, They're out. unknown quantities to us, and there's so many big movie stars That's right, and who, were, who were in movies for, this year. Yeah. But that, would, that was my number one acting ensemble. I thought, uh. Cause there's like 10 major characters and you all know exactly oh, yeah. who they are. They're yeah. all very memorable. Let's talk for a second about marriage story. Uh. <laughs> I thought that Laura Dern was fabulous in that movie. And I thought she took what could have been a kind of a tertiary character and really made it a fleshed out human. She was a, did a great performance. Oh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Good movie. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I really did. It, it wasn't my A plus number one, but I enjoyed it, and I thought that Brad and Leo turned in really nice performances as well. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you for uh, asking. Thank you yeah. for being willing to be put on the did spot. Did I miss anything? There. I did not yet see Ford versus Ferrari, which is on my on my. <laughs> you said you would see. I know. I, I made it seem as though <laughs> that's that's up to the one I need to see. But what what else am I missing? I think those are most of the big ones. Yeah, yeah I think we'll ones. we'll end up covering a lot of those movies in our best of 2019 episode, which will be our next. Oh, one. I wish I could be here for that because I love the movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you want to go out with a little improv scene? <gasps> sure. So this comes from uh, a story that I heard, uh, which has to be made up by Wells. But Wells said when Citizen Kane premiered in San Francisco, he found himself on an elevator with William Randolph Hearst. Oh. 
Wow. Just randomly, uh, apparently. And he asked him if he wanted to go to the screening and Hearst declined. And then Wells, in telling the story, said, Charles Foster Kane would have gone. Oh. <laughs> but wow. what if, what if we replay that scene of, uh, Orson Wells running into Hearst and Marion Davies on an elevator? Okay. Uh, uh, Jamie, as the guest, I'll give you first crack at who would you like to play? Hearst, well, William Randolph Hearst. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Jamie as Hearst, Carla as Marion. I like he doesn't ask me if I want to play the guy. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows I love playing guys. <laughs> no, I'll play Marion. Okay. Could you hit uh, four, please? Could I hit it? Oh. Uh, oh. Well, oh, oh, I, oh, 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 I'm Marion. Do you see who the? Oh, oh, oh. Well, this is this is rather awkward. Yes, it is, especially because where's the elevator operator? What kind of building is this? <laughs> what am I supposed to touch these buttons myself? And oh. now this? Oh, oh. It's okay, baby. It's okay. Deep focus. Just relax. <laughs> Take I, a breath. I can't, my little pedal face. I am incensed. What the hell are you doing here? Well. Look, this is clearly an awkward situation, Mr. Hurst, but, and Ms. Davies, but, uh, if you just see the movie, I think you'll see that, uh, it's not based on your lives, it's a composite of, uh, I, I don't know, I heard that she's a real dummy in the movie. Yes, and apparently I'm some kind of a tyrant! Oh, sweetheart, here is a tissue. I spit all over my beautiful suit! And are you building a jigsaw puzzle right here in the elevator? <laughs> yes, I bring it with me wherever I go. Feel it. it it's really heavy. It keeps her busy. She puts it right here on this cigarette case so that it can be right in front of her like a train. Yes, yeah, cigarette? Puzzle piece? Look, I, I've been meaning to make it out to San Simeon, by the way, to see your herd of zebras. Well, if you ever come to San Simeon, you'll find yourself stuck at the gate. I have a strict no Orson Welles policy. It's true. It's a, he put up a big sign. No Orson Welles. now. Would either of you care for a marijuana cigarette? Oh, marijuana, the dredge of society. I'll take one. I'll take, don't tell. I'll, I'll also have one. one, but I won't tell anyone I enjoy it. Well, uh, this elevator does not appear to be moving at all. Because no one will touch the button. I refuse to bow down to you, sir. Um, I could bow down to you for a specific amount of money, perhaps? Marion, ixnay uh, on the alley <laughs> to the nowway. Look, I, I deeply regret using the terms rosebud and deep focus in this movie. Uh, I know that's very personal. It to is both very of you. personal. It's, yes. it's part of our p- personal relationship. It's our secret wordplay that we do when we're bathing in pools of money. <laughs> that's true. We have a pool and it's full of money. And one's full of jello, and one's full of feathers, and one's full of water. When we want to actually swim, we've got several pools. And the one we use the least is the one full of water. I'd really like to come out and use that jello pool sometime. 1,000% no. We've got a now policy at the it's front It's a sign, gate. and it says it in the front of the castle. N-O-W. Look, what will it take to get a little publicity in one of your papers? You'll have to die a fiery death, and then I'll put it in every paper. No, Orson Welles, it self-combusts. Sweetheart, here, drink some water. Well, we're up to floor three. Anybody getting out here? 
No, we're not going to floor three. We're not going to the special floor three. We're, we're not going to the... We're going to the rooftop. Yeah, we're going to the rooftop patio. Well, that's why I'm going. Straight to the uh, top. I don't think so. It's a big no Orson Welles area. Oh, really? Yes. 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 N-O-W. <laughs> Did you hear that Martians are attacking, by the way? Don't you dare do this again. Oh, my God. You had me peeing my pants. I pissed myself. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could listen to Jamie Moyer as William Randolph <laughs> forever, all day. Jamie, thank you so much. I love much. you guys. Love I'm you so Jamie. honored to be in your one of your last rendezvous on Craigslist. Well, we had to have you back. Third time's the charm. We finally got it right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And I'm glad you liked the movie. I did. Thank you for introducing me to that. And perhaps this will open the door to more classics as I move <laughs> forward. Yay. Where can people follow you online or see you on the uh, the small screen? Please find me on Twitter <laughs> at Jamie, J-A-I-M-E underscore Moyer. And I'm going to give... White girls a try because I love Busy Phillips and I don't know why I've never seen that movie. And you keep talking it up. I'm going to have to watch that one as well. <laughs> so find me on Twitter and let's talk about films and whatnot. And you can also catch me around Hollywood occasionally performing for free. <laughs> uh, well, Carla, we've got our best of 2019 episode All coming right, up next. Let's do it. Oh, that's so exciting. Uh, the Oscars are only a few days away. Also, the Super Bowl is only a couple days away. If you see a Little Caesars commercial, look for me oh in my it. God. Yeah. And, uh, we'll, we'll see you soon. We're going to burn through these last four episodes so fast you won't know what hit you, Craig's listeners. Whee! Rosebud. The list is an absolute good. The list is life. <laughs>